Hello and welcome to Reading Matter, your podcast about fiction and non-fiction books. So today is finally the day when I'm welcoming my first guest on this podcast with an interview. Uh, this episode is going to be a bit longer than the ones you're used to. It's not really bite-sized. And actually, this interview has already been published in a different podcast that I'm doing with my friends. I'm going to leave the link in the description. You can check it out and listen to other longer episodes we have there. But for this episode, welcome my guest Faye from Faye's Parallel Stories. She has a YouTube channel and an Instagram blog where she is sharing her reading experiences. And in this interview, we're talking about book marathons. So tune in. Hello and welcome to Biblio Banter. Here, this is a tiny special episode and I am glad to welcome our guest, Faye from Faye's Parallel Stories on YouTube. Hi, Faye. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so glad that you agreed to talk to me about books today and bookish stuff. And in today's special, me, Natalia, and my guest, Faye, we're going to talk about uh, BookTube and in particular, reading marathons. So we'll discuss for us as readers and for us as bloggers, what do marathons do? So let us begin with introducing your channel to our listeners. So guys, I'll leave the link on our blog. So please make sure to check it out and follow Faye on YouTube. Come by, say hi. So your channel is called Faye's Parallel Stories. Can you tell us uh -huh. how did you pick this particular title? The cheesy explanation, which is probably the honest one, is that I have a favorite quote by Stanislav Lech, which is two parallel lines meet in the future and they believe they will. So just sort of my cheesy quote. Um, and I like the parallels. Also, the slightly more rational explanation was that I started the channel when I was extremely frustrated working on my PhD. <laughs> and yeah, I kind of wanted a way to have a space for very different sides of my life because I felt like it wasn't really possible to have them sort of logically fit together. I was a bit torn, sort of like, Uh, am I am I a PhD student? Am I someone who enjoys acting as a hobby, or am I just like really into this reading thing? And that's sort of you know existential crisis in the middle of your twenties. <laughs> yeah, we're um, all been there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel a bit um, almost cute admitting to that now, but at the time it was also like a positive motivation. Like, hey, cool. That way. I have a bit more of a dedicated place for my love of reading and that can sort of exist in parallel with sort of my academic and work life and they don't have to battle each other and I don't have to read academic psychology texts. I can read something fluffy and thrilly or something sort of also serious but has nothing to do with what I have to read for work and that's why Faye's Parallel Stories at the time made sense and then I just believe that once you pick something you kind of have to stick with it. <laughs> Do you feel like right now like if to take the first explanation they kind of crossed? Like yes totally totally yeah because I did very much feel like I had these things parallel things that were all happening in my life that all were important to me but they also kind of were in competition with each other and didn't really make sense together and now they do. Or I just accepted that there were like different things that are allowed to exist 
next to each other. A very interesting thing that you mentioned is because I have just read um, a post by some other bookstagrammer who is doing her master's in literature, literary studies. And she actually also struggles mm -hmm. to kind of bring together her blog on Instagram as this kind of yeah. like popular culture kind of blog while also studying properly like literary theory. Yeah. How these two academic yeah. and non-academic fields work together is a challenge for all of us, I guess. Yeah. And I, I kind of have the easy easy option because my work has nothing to do with my reading. So I, I also don't feel like I have to be highbrow because I'm not uh, representing sort of like my skill as a reviewer or as a professional literary theorist. Like it doesn't, I can just say, this was fun. This is why I enjoyed it. What do you do on your channel? What type of videos? Because we know BookTube uh, is full of different things. <laughs> The main thing I try to always do, because that's also, I think, the thing that I sort of officially enjoy the most, is talking about what I read. Sort of booktube lingo wrap-ups. Um, so, so the recollection of what you read, usually in the last month, and almost like a reading diary in a way. I'm sort of recapping books I liked, books I didn't like, like mini reviews of, I don't know, the last six books I read, something like that. I have the odd review sort of if a book makes me want to share more detailed thoughts about it that I feel like that almost can go two ways if it works well if I feel like I've sort of condensed my thoughts in a good way then those are almost the most rewarding videos because someone who will watch a review of a certain book either is thinking about reading that book Or has already. And that's also where like the conversation is sort of more in detail. I sometimes risk feeling like I'm doing a school assignment when I do that, because then I do have to sit down and I do want to sort of talk about the different themes. And sometimes I feel like I don't do that justice, but I try. So that's also something I do. Yeah, we wanted to talk more about like reading marathons and readathons, how they are sometimes sort of those two words are bunched together. And I do quite a few of those. And sometimes I'll talk about my plans for those reading marathons. And sometimes I do sort of more like vlog style videos. During the week, for instance, I try to just keep track of what I'm reading in real time. That sounds a bit pretentious, but you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's basically what like, yeah, a reading blog is with sort of snippets of what happens in the week. I don't want to bore people with the minuscule details of what I ate when, but I enjoy watching the videos more that also give you a feel for what kind of person um, we're watching. So yeah, you see a lot of my dog if you watch those videos. <laughs> I also like mm -hmm. to, to see guests you have in your videos every once in a while. I oh, think nice. that's great. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I also like, also that kind of uh, sort of breaks down, again, sensing a theme, breaks down like the different parts of my life. And I do also, I remember being kind of nervous about telling friends that I like post videos on YouTube because I, I sort of thought that was like a bit of a weird thing to do. So many reacted in such a sort of positive, encouraging way, which was really, really fun. A quick question about your reviews and opinions about the books, because I think that's very important and interesting debate in book blogging and reviewing in general. Do you only give positive reviews or do you also share negative? Ooh. So if I do a reading vlog and I end up reading a book that I hate, yeah, sure, that happens, um, then I'll mention it. 
I think it's bad taste more than anything or rude to have a dedicated video where I sort of slander a book. I wouldn't, I haven't done that. I must admit, I think if I, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've not been quite so high and mighty and I have done sort of an end of the year video talking about like books, like books I liked the least this year. I think I've done that. Yeah, yeah, I gotta admit. So you have mentioned also readathons or reading challenges, reading marathons. They go by many names. Let us try to define what is actually a reading marathon for those of our listeners who are not native to Bookstagram or Booktube. <laughs> uh, how would I define it? Um, I think there always has to be a, a defined time span in which you read. So... Before we called, I sort of tried to think of like, what kind of readathons have I taken part in? And there are super different, like varied ones. So like what I can think of, which maybe like, you know, illustrates time span. There's a 24 hour readathon concept where, you know, you read as much as you can in 24 hours, which reminds me the most of, oh, this is going like on a super tangent, but. Mm -hmm. I am a huge Gilmore Girls fan and they do like a dance-a-thon. Yeah. <laughs> Where they have to like dance until they drop for 24 hours. So that's kind of the same with the readathon. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, you know, a readathon that will span over a month. So I think that is the only criterion that is totally necessary for something to be a reading marathon, that there has to be a time a prescribed time frame, and because I do also think there is this social aspect you're doing it with other people so there's like a beginning time and an end point and that is the same for everyone so we all know I don't know there's something romantic I don't know maybe a sort of mm -hmm. idealistic about thinking like I'm reading right now and somewhere across the world other people are reading with the same goal yeah so it's sort of um, like community uniting aspect yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I start getting a bit more wonky with my definitions, in sport, <laughs> there is always a winner. With a marathon, there's always a winner. I don't think you can win at a reading marathon. But in theory, usually there are prompts or challenges and you can fulfill those or you fail at fulfilling those. And then I guess you can, you know, yeah, you can like assign yourself a badge or, or give yourself a pat on the back if you sort of <laughs> ticked all the boxes. And there's all kinds of things that people are getting so much more creative with setting up different readathons because there's so many. Like now loads have um, like bingo reading boards like with sort of, you know, you'll have like mm. a checkered board with all kinds of prompts and you can like tick them off and then you can like get a bingo. And then I guess you win if you like have four in a, in a line. But because I am quite type A, anyway, <laughs> I try to not always succumb to the pressure. <laughs> Can't imagine. Yeah, I, and it's almost impossible, <laughs> I think. All right. Also an important thing. So the challenging aspect is not as strong with reading marathons as an actual sport. But who controls it? Like who's in control? Who sets the rules? for every particular marathon? Well, there's always someone who invents it, I guess. You know, it always mm -hmm. has to start somewhere. I guess I could just sit by myself and come up with 
I guess I could make a list of books I wanted to read and set myself the goal that I have to read those in the next two weeks. But I wouldn't count that as a readathon because I'm doing it by myself. And yeah, usually it's one or two people, a bookstagrammer, a booktuber, a blogger. I don't know. I don't know what was the original readathon, but I feel like the blogging world is the oldest somehow. Gut feeling, that's what I would reckon. And that's probably where it originated. And now you, you can sort of often see that there are really big readathons where like thousands of people join in and they are represented across different platforms. So there's like a booktube readathon once a year. That's sort of big. Mm-hmm. There's one booktuber, what's her name? Ariel Bissett, I believe. And she's like mm-hmm. one of the big ones and she heads in and she comes up with the prompts. And she'll invite other people to co-host. And then she usually has like someone on Instagram who is like bigger on Instagram or uses it more or enjoys it more. I don't, I don't know her. I don't know what her criterion is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are like quite often unique aspects and prompts or like photo challenges on Instagram that are different to the YouTube experience. Definitely. <laughs> um, <absolutely>. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there is like actually a person who comes up with these prompts in the time frame. Sometimes they just, you know, want to celebrate, celebrate their favorite genre and everyone reads from that genre. Or, you know, there are like readathons that are very sort of time specific within the year. So they will celebrate in America, especially like Black History Month, emphasize or encourage people to read more books by black authors, people of color. Mm. So the thematic context is totally up to the inventor. Have you yeah. ever started your own marathon? No, because I think it's quite a lot of work. I'm quite lazy. <laughs> um, like, yeah. I also, and I think maybe that's not the quite so self-deprecating reason. I do really like trying to fulfill challenges that someone else has come up with Mm -hmm. and I don't know how I would do that for myself because if I come up with challenges myself then I'm already biased towards what I like to read true yeah I like being forced to read things I either like being forced to read things that I usually wouldn't pick up because you can really sort of retreat into your bubble and only read what you like reading anyway I like doing that I also like bending the rules as far as I can and trying to come up with reasons why these four books that I just bought coincidentally fulfill these 20 prompts that someone else has come up with. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I believe the last one you've posted on your channel was also a wrap-up marathon video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one I did was the Springathon, which probably ranks as one of my more favored ones Ooh. because I, to- I I really just I totally go by what I think sounds good so I don't <laughs> that's yeah that's really the main thing that I pay attention to if I decide if I'm going to do a reading marathon and the springathon had a few prompts which I don't remember because they were quite loose and there weren't that many the very main overarching one was that we were all asked or <laughs> inquired or, or, or told, depending on how strict you want to be about <laughs> uh, to read books with nature writing. The two women who were sort of the hosts 
they put an emphasis on nonfiction nature writing. That's the ideal reading marathon because, you know, chances are high that I'm going to like it and <laughs> it's going to push me to read something that I generally don't pick up. So, yeah, and um, I have quite a few unread books on my shelves. And also, <laughs> usually I am able to fit those into the different prompts. I believe the prompts were something along the line, with, you know, something with the bird on the com- cover, something to do with water. Um, oh, so okay. always sort of words, you know, nature words in some sense that were okay. motivating us to pick books. What was the most challenging marathon so far? Like the hardest to go through for you? I think I try to sometimes just because for the sole reason that I think the community around that readathon is so likable and the people involved are so clever and I really like their thoughts on the books that they read that I kind of want to be a part of that. I try to take part of it, and that's the Victober. It always takes place in the month of October with the goal of reading Victorian books. And that's sort of the most challenging to me because that's then when I think, oh, maybe I should have a degree in literary studies <laughs> uh, because it's not, it's not my comfort area. I haven't read a lot of other books from that time frame, so I don't feel like I sort of naturally have the language or like a reference point to sort of judge the books I'm not a huge history buff so quite often I find myself not really knowing okay is this is this like actually a social commentary right now or is that just down to the author's personal experience so Mm -hmm. I have to stretch my reading habits but for that reason I also like it and then maybe depend what you mean with difficult really or challenging because the 24 hour reading one is you know physically challenging sometimes <laughs> you get tired i'm still curious about the people who do the 48 hour marathons because i have seen a couple of those running around on <laughs> youtube or on instagram some even tiktok about it but technically what i saw was those really long sped up videos people actually reading for 48 hours straight also while walking like they just get a lot of food and sit in their room and read until they finish like four books or something so I'm still curious about how how you do that (laughs) I'm literally not able to do that I'm also not able to be awake for 48 hours even doing more stimulating things than reading so no chance I also have never read for 24 hours like on end like I can't do that I'm going against my rules not not strictly a reason because it wasn't a group-based thing but two people can be a group right (laughs) I did (laughs) Uh, challenge with my boyfriend the challenge was can I read 24 hours over a weekend or can he play video games for 24 hours wow yeah I'm disappointed to say he won but yeah I I can't yeah no I can't I can't read that much that prolonged period that's too much can't even imagine how it feels. I think I did it once accidentally because I was, I really wanted to finish a book before a book club meeting and it was quite a thick one. I was a German writer. So mm-hmm. um, Erich Maria de Mark and I was speeding okay. through it. It was intense. 
I don't think it was a great experience. But I guess there was even more of a motivation to finish it with that. Absolutely. So speaking about dividing the marathons or reading periods into parts, um, for me, this is actually a bit of a disadvantage, not the dividing, but the fact that there are time Mm -hmm. constraints in the reading marathon. Mm -hmm. This is basically my only, not point of critique, but my only problem (laughs) with um, Mm -hmm. readathons that I find it hard to adjust my normal routine to 24-hour period, let's say, or mm-hmm. a month of reading or two weeks of sure. reading particular novels. Sure. So I was just thinking, am I the only one out there? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I it Related to that, the thing that bugs me the most is that I'm never able to wrap up all the books I have on the go because I'm notoriously bad anyway and read multiple books at once. I never manage to start you know, first hour of a readathon with a clean slate and, you know, open up my first book and that's what I'm reading. Mm. I never managed to do that. So then I always have the choice. Do I ignore the books that I had on the go and start all these books that I'm planning to read for the readathon or do I mix and match? Then I'm a total stickler for rules at the end of the day as well. So I'm like, if I've started a book before the readathon, then it doesn't count for the readathon, which is stupid. Like who's policing me? No one. I, I also do things like track how many pages I read every day just for fun for me. So there is something about these like numbers and how much can I do in a week? How much, how many books can I read in a month? Did I read more books this month than last month? And whenever I make the decision to take part in a readathon, I do read a little bit more than I would just for me without that incentive. So yeah, it is constraining. You're right. Mm. It is, you know, gamifying reading, Mm -hmm. which you can say silly and takes the fun out of it or regulate something that should be just your hobby. I'm choosing to put myself under that pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Um, think there is a particular fun in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people still do that. Yeah, and like I said, I I do only participate in readathons that I think sound fun. So that's already what kind of examples could there be? Okay, so yeah, sticking with readathons, there's readathons that center around reading thrillers, for instance. Mm-hmm. I quite like a thriller, but it's very rare that I enter a week thinking, yeah, three thrillers in a week. That sounds like fun. <laughs> so like, that's just not a readathon that I'm very likely to join because yeah. it's very unlikely that on day five I will still be motivated to pick up another thriller after already having read two others so that yeah, yeah that's not. not and then there's the springathon yeah I talked about that one about nature writing where chances are there are books that I wanted to read anyway and now mm-hmm. I just have that extra little push that's probably something that I need because my TBR pile is just growing exponentially mm-hmm. which readathon did you try oh god that <laughs> was quite, quite quite a while ago i think one of them was actually just something like seven days seven books or something that was meant ah, yeah. to push you to finish the books you have already started or just pick up the thin books from your tbr pile okay, that's kind of which nice. means yeah. you should be able to actually finish like be realistic don't pick up a 300 yeah. page novel for a day yeah um but the idea was actually to finish the ones you've started and to get the new ones mm-hmm. from your tbr pile read but I think I ended up not managing that. Yeah, it's an interesting idea and I still plan to try it at some point when I get a bit more order into mm-hmm. all of the cool things, my like other cool projects mm-hmm. um, that I'm doing right now. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they only have... It's a struggle. Hours. 
so many good things happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like, like that's why I'm like it's not that I'm complaining about not having time. It's more like I just need more time to do more cool things. Mm-hmm. For example, like mm-hmm. podcasts and so mm-hmm. on, and the mm-hmm. journal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I get that. I've also noticed that with more regular working hours, I started the book due when I was a PhD student, which means you can work every single minute of your life or not work at all. <laughs> um, you know, you have a lot of flexibility. So it was very possible to just go, yeah, this week I, I'll put more of a focus on reading this week. Um, and now I have to go into the office if there's a reader song going on or not. Yeah. So it looks like we have pointed out quite a lot of interesting and positive aspects for us as readers and also mm-hmm. one negative aspect that also can be seen positively, like time constraints. Sometimes people need them. So it depends on the person, I guess. Yeah. But I was also thinking, what good can it do on a larger scale? Like what interesting aspects can readathons have uh, for like community, for education, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, for example, Mm -hmm. the Black Reading Month, um, Mm -hmm. when people promote particularly fiction and nonfiction written by Black Mm -hmm. authors, which is an example of this kind of readathons. And then I was also thinking about own voices readings or decolonizing bookshelves movement. Have you ever heard of any other examples of these kind of reading? A lot of readathons have prompts along those lines. So Mm -hmm. even if they're not dedicated to a cause, they still try to put it in there. I think um, there's like a queer lit readathon as well. Probably um, because it's a Pride Month. So we are recording yeah. this episode still in the Pride Month. It's going to come out a bit later. <laughs> so June, there is also like a focus on reading um, books by and about queer people. That's what I'm aware of. There's one readathon that I've joined in, which is called the Sam Fentale which has the goal of reading fantasy books by female authors. So that sounds really niche, but if you sort of look at the sort of publishing tradition in fantasy books, there's, you know, a lot of white men. (laughs) And that sort of tries to put a bit more of an emphasis on female authors. And I guess in the end, there's the very direct effect that more books that fit into these readathons get read, but there's also a discussion, right? There's sort mm-hmm. of a conversation about why is it necessary to have this focus? Because, I don't know, female authors make less money, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, get so published I, less often. Yeah, so I do think that can help. Also, quite often, some readathons will have like a book like one read-along book where you can sort of feel free to also read that book whilst trying to fulfill all the other prompts and all the other challenges. If that is not enough, um, (laughs) (laughs) then there's like quite often like one dedicated highlighted book. And I guess then it's down to the hosts of the readathon to think very carefully about what kind of book they want to highlight. And that is an opportunity to very directly, of course, then support I don't know, an indie press or an own voices author or, well, a representative of a marginalized group or a topic that is sort of very political and valuable to then read a book about it. Like, I, I think a readathon can only really be as good as the people running it in the yeah. end. 
Sure. So there's a lot of potential, but also loads you could screw up. I don't know. Am I allowed to <laughs> swear here? <laughs> you Absolutely. Know, there's, um, you, you could also, I don't know, come up with the angry white men read a thon and encourage everyone to read only the canon uh, and <laughs> only bestsellers. And then, well, what good will you have made? But that's um, my experience is that by and large, the readers in the sort of social booktube, bookstagram hemisphere is relatively conscious about these things. Not everyone's mm -hmm. perfect, but, you know, they try. I think that's also a great part about booktubes as a community that a lot of education is happening there as well. And also yes. I think you mentioned this interesting aspect, uh, read-alongs, which is a separate thing, uh, which I mm -hmm. think is fascinating because for me, this is an equivalent of a reading club that we would totally. have normally offline, yeah. which is a bit hard nowadays. <laughs> we mm -hmm. hope to get back to normal, but especially nowadays in June 2020, we notice or all the previous months of 2020 <laughs> yeah we notice how, yeah. how, much, how much more helpful it is that you can still find people to talk about this particular book that you're reading this month online and maybe somebody mm -hmm. also prepares extra materials some background mm -hmm. information on that and so a lot of sharing is happening online and then you can have yeah. even wider opinions because you can have this virtual book club with yeah. people from all over the world yeah yeah having all the yeah, opinions exactly. you can get <laughs> Yeah. And the, the only real experience I have, like, strictly speaking, doing that is that I did that. I did that once for Victober with Emily Gaskell's, whoa, what's the book called? Mothers and Daughters? Daughters and Mothers? Wives and Mothers? I don't know. Something like that. Two women. Wives, wives and daughters, daughters, maybe? Something like Perhaps. that. Perhaps. We'll, we'll see how well that worked. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that was really cool because that was really over a month, quite chunky book. And the chapters were divided up so that it did actually take you over the course of the month. Mm -hmm. And then there was like a good week group. So then the different chapters had different threads. So you didn't risk, you know, reading any spoilers if you weren't up to date mm -hmm. yet. And that was really helpful for me personally, because as I said, Victorian books, Victorian literature is not something that I feel very informed about. So then reading other people's thoughts about it, who had read other books by Emily Gaskell for for instance, other books from the era, I could just profit from other people's knowledge. Yeah, yeah that's a great exchange that's happening there. Uh, you just mentioned Goodreads, for example, in groups there. How do you keep track of the books you read for marathons? Uh, yeah, I do use Goodreads. I use Goodreads all year, so not just mm -hmm. for reading marathons. And that's also the main thing I use Goodreads for. Um, so just, you know, I'll, I'll click what I'm currently reading and then I update it when I've read it. See, that's perfect. I have this consistency in me. I cannot stick to using Goodreads. I'll update it like every three, four, five months when I remember about it. <laughs> oh, no, but people like you are horrible to follow on Goodreads because then I see an update. I'm like, what the hell? Did she seriously need books this weekend? Like, no, she just updated. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. See, that's why public marathons <laughs> don't work for me as well. I just can't stick to maybe what would work better for you, which I also do, but not as such a like hard and fast rule. But most of the time I will also take notes just like, I don't know, the, the hip millennial thing to say is probably a bullet journal, but it's just notes, a book with paper in it and I take notes in it. So I will sometimes do that. And sometimes also like also for you, 
for YouTube videos because that way I can like jot down a few points about the book. I can write down the names of characters mm. because I can never remember those. And sort of like I do use that. Um, and because I do like to track how many pages I read in a month or rather every day, I do also use just like a memo on my phone. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very simple. Just sort of at the end of the day, I'll write down like what page I got to, something like that. Um, because I don't always carry my book around with me, but I will never be found without my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, I think that's our generational thing. I just actually yeah. hit the other day. I didn't know that it can happen to the notes in the phone, that a note was too long. So apparently I hit some sort of like wow. size barrier there. Uh, wow. I, I don't know when I started that note because it was Instagram posts, some mm-hmm. posts about books, something that I wanted to share on Instagram about books. So it's just bookish dedicated. And then at some point it just told me, you know, this is too long. We can't display the thing anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you sure you need all of these thoughts? <laughs> yeah, so I never knew that they have limit. <laughs> Uh, uh. I've not hit that yet, but my notes are also like June 13th, page 42 to page 81. <laughs> that's, that's a cool thing. So speaking of June, today we're recording this episode on the 15th of June, 2020, and it's been a rocky year so far for a lot of people. And yeah. I have a question for you as you read a lot, uh, what so far has been the most important or the most interesting read you've had, like the best book of 2020 so far? Wow. Okay. So I, at the top of my head, can't recommend a book published this year because I, you know, I'm not going to bookshops, am I? (laughs) New releases aren't really happening right now, but I just read probably very present in my memory because it was part of the whole nature writing thing. I just read Lab Girl by author Hope Jaren. And she is a botanist. Is that what you call it? Paleobiologist (laughs) Um, and a professor. She writes about her, well, life essentially, but especially with a focus on her career and her love for plants, which sounds, you know, cute, but it really isn't. It's it's much more it's sort of about friendship and women in academia Mm -hmm. and topics that I care about very very much so that was non-fiction which I don't have the numbers but I feel like the minority of what I read is non-fiction maybe like 20% of the books I read but when I read them they quite often make quite an impact with me so that was that was really a biggie for me And what other books could I recommend that have been really, really important to me? I think I've purposely stayed away from anything dystopian (laughs) this year. Too much Uh, of it outside anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit too close to home. Maybe something that was pleasant and distracting this year, like for you personally. So far, 2020 has been a really challenging year. (laughs) Full stops. But also for reading, because I find I read more when I'm happy. And that's not to say I'm unhappy, but you know, shit's real. And Mm. sometimes, even though you're really desperate for distraction, allowing yourself to be distracted almost feels like that's not allowed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's a luxury. So yeah, I've, I've read like a lot of sort of contemporary romance books, which I just tend to not really recommend. Like if I'm really honest, even though I enjoy them loads, like I also don't recommend everyone go out there and watch When Harry Met Sally because mm-hmm. even though I enjoy that loads, I'm not sure whether that's the most valuable thing you can go out and watch. Um, that's a good one though. <laughs> yeah, I also like, that was the first one, and now I'm regretting it. I'm like, actually, go watch When Harry Met Sally. It's so much fun. Um, yes, absolutely. Oh yeah, maybe one of the fiction books that I read this year that I just thought was great. A book I would really recommend to everyone, and it's not distracting at all, is When I Hit You by Mina Kandasani, and it's essentially. A woman recollecting her experience of domestic abuse. So that's not fluffy and it's not fun. And I guess you could say it's going to distract you from other things that are going on right now, but it's not going to distract you in a very happy way. And that was just excellent in the whole style and setup of the book. It's a topic that I find interesting. That sounds really unempathetic, but like, yeah, it's, it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a topic I find interesting and important to read about. The author herself has experience with domestic abuse. So I also felt less icky reading her recollection because I feel like she does have a voice and she mm-hmm. isn't just using it in a sort of voyeuristic, sort of sensationalist way. But she is actually working through an experience by re- writing this book. That was just great. Like I gave that five stars if you're in the Goodreads universe and I don't do that very often. Uh Thank you very much for sharing all this precious information with us. I'm really glad to discuss book or reading marathons is just a tiny portion of what's going on of all the interesting things that happening on YouTube. So please make sure to visit Faye's channel, leave comments and likes in there. I will also link... (laughs) your Goodreads account uh, on our blog post so that everybody could come by and see what other things you recommend. Thank you so much for your recommendations. And I hope this is not the last time we talk about books and stuff. Books. (laughs) Books and stuff. I like that. (laughs) This should be the title of the podcast, actually. (laughs) Books and stuff. Thank you so much. And see you next time. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.